So. <laughs> Good morning. Oh, my goodness. If you're a visitor here, welcome to the family. This is how we do it. Um, so good to see so many faces, um, so many new faces. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we are honored and privileged to have you with us. Um, God is so, so good. Amen? Amen. Um, we are picking up in the Red Letter Series again that we've been in for years, and it's like, man, we're, we're studying the words of Jesus, so I'm okay with that. Um, but we're picking up in, in the Red Letters from our departure for Good Friday and Easter Sunday um, and when we left off, Jesus was, had just finished delivering seven woes to the, the scribes and the Pharisees. He's, you know, you guys have fallen short in, in a very harsh tone. Um, and after he did that, he went and positioned himself in the temple to watch folks give at the offering. And so what we have recorded for us in the Word of God is, is the account of the widow's offering. And what Jesus saw was this demonstration of such faith that he called his disciples over to him. And it's like, guys, look at this woman who gave. Look and see what she did. Jesus pointed out, you know, hey, it wasn't about the gift. It was about the heart of the giver. And, and that was what was important, that, that this woman gave out of all she had. All she had to live on is what Jesus said, and she went in and put that in the bucket, and it's like, you know, that was just evidence that she knew who, who her true source of all things was, her true supplier, and that was God. All of her sustenance was relying on God. And so here Jesus points this out to his disciples, and now they're leaving and they're walking out, and, and, and they're leaving the temple, and, and so that's where we're picking up today after a couple of weeks. Um, today, we're beginning again with, with Jesus um, being asked by his disciples uh, a question about the end times. Um, and they're saying, what are the signs? What, what do we need to look for? And uh, when are all these things going to take place? And so I've titled this series and, and this message, What to Watch For, and we're in part one of that. Um, but the disciples, you know, they heard Jesus say something, and, and they were just kind of like, hey, what do we need to watch out for? What do we need to pay attention for? They were asking, they wanted to know uh, what they should be, you know, what should be on their radar. And so this is what we're picking up today. And we see Jesus' answer to that is recorded for us in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. Um, it's, it's in uh, Matthew in chapter 24, verse 1 through 14, Mark chapter 13, verse 1 through 13, and, and Luke chapter 21, verse 5 through 18. And we're going to read out of Mark's account. So if you've got your, your hard copy Bible with you or digital copy with you, turn to Mark um, as, as we go into this study. Um, and we're going to be looking at Jesus' answer to this question of, hey, what do we need to pay attention to? What, what, is the, what should we be looking at uh, as, the, as the end draws near? And we need to keep in mind that, that these guys just left the temple. They're just walking out of the temple, and, and they pose this question. And, and the temple, it wasn't just like this nice-looking church. I mean, it was, it was a temple. I mean, it was beautiful, and there were the walls, the bricks, they were marble, they were hand-carved, they were, I mean, I guess one, uh, one of the things said that the, the, there was a stone that was approximately 50 feet long, it was approximately 14 feet or something like that thick, and, and 11 feet wide. I mean, that, that's a massive piece of marble, and that's what these guys are walking out of, and so we have to keep in mind they're just leaving this this awesome temple, and, and Jesus talks about the end times, and he makes a comment about, you know, hey, all these, there's not going to be a stone left unturned, right? And so to put it in perspective, it would almost be like for us today going and visiting like D.C. 
You know, we go to the monument, we go to the, the White House, we go to all the history, all the places that are there, and, and we look at all the amazing architecture, you know, just take in that whole scene, and, and somebody comes along and says, yeah, that's all going to be torn down someday. That's all going to be gone. You know, and so that's kind of the scene we have here as we look in this, this uh, account in Mark uh, today. So if you have your Bibles open, ready to read, we're going to read in uh, Mark chapter 13, starting in verse one. And it says, as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones, what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these signs be? And what will be the sign uh, when all these things are about to be accomplished. And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of the wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must not take place, but the end is not yet. I'm sorry, this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must be first proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you will say, but say what is ever given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver uh, brother over to death, and fathers, his children, and children uh, will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let's go before the Lord. Father God, we come before you, and Lord, we just look at this, this warning from Jesus, and, and Lord, how it applies to our life. We look at, at uh, just the words of your Son. Father, it's so easy to, to just skim through the Bible and, and maybe not have an understanding or, or maybe think that something's you know, so future dated that we don't need to worry about it. But God, there's, there's a warning in here that we need to heed. And so Lord, as we dig into this study, dig into your word, open our hearts and our ears and our spirits to receive from you this morning. Father, we just thank you for the truth of your word, the foundation of your word, and, and just the steadiness it provides us in our life when, when everything seems top, topsy-turvy. God, as we go into this study, we lift up our friends. I echo Pastor uh, Brent's uh, prayers for those that are traveling, those that are, that are ill. Father God, be with them. Um, Lord, we just pray for our brothers and sisters and let them know that they're being raised right now in this moment. Father, we thank you for all you give us and just be with us in this study. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, in verse 1, we, we see the impact of the beauty of the temple, kind of like I talked about. You know, there was, it was something that was admired, it was appreciated, it was magnificent. And, and, and so Jesus and his disciples are leaving, and, and one of the disciples was still kind of fixated on just how awesome this place was. And, and it's, you know, it would be hard not to. Like I said, these stones, 50 feet long, 11 feet wide, and, and 16 feet thick, it's like, how do you not just sit there and go, how? I mean, we look at stuff, we're like, how did they build that? How in the world did that get there? I mean, you just, you look at the splendor of this thing. And so you can imagine what that place looked like before it was destroyed in 70 AD. It was beautiful. It was magnificent. 
But here's this disciple who just left this scene where Jesus is pointing out something that was even more important, even more beautiful. One commentator I read pointed out that, that here Jesus had just discussed the monumental beauty of an act of faith in this widow's giving, and yet the disciples are still fixated on the temporal beauty of the temple. You know, they're just still caught up in that. In verse 1 and 2, we see this. It says, as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be uh, left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. It's like Jesus points out that these great stones are here only to serve a basic purpose. They, They have a temporary purpose and a temporary function. And temporary things break, right? Temporary things fall apart. They get destroyed. But spiritual things, eternal things, these are the things that stand the test of time. And and he just shared this this moment with his disciples. And so something about that statement, it like sparked or piqued an inquiry and curiosity in some of the other disciples. And we see that they sought out an answer in verse 3 and 4. And it says, as he sat at the Mount of Olives opposite of the temple. So here he's looking at what they were just talking about. It says, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately and said, tell us, when will all these things be, and what will be the sign when all of these things are about to be accomplished? Matthew records the question this way in in Matthew 24, 3. He says, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So Matthew records a little bit more detail in that question. Here, Jesus had just mentioned that these massive stones are going to be toppled over and laid, laid to waste. Um, and so it makes sense that the disciples would question, hey, Jesus, if that's going to happen, that's monumental. That's massive. If those big stones, if all this stuff can be laid to waste, what should we be watching for? What's going to happen that's going to cause that that we need to be aware of? And so we see Jesus answer them in verse 5 and 6. Jesus, it says, and, and Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray, and many will come to you in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. So basically, what do you watch for? Watch for false teachers. Watch for false prophets, false leaders, false Christs, because they're going to come. People are going to come and try to lead you away. Do not get led astray. That was the first warning that Jesus gave them, Right? He's like, stick to what you know, stick to what you know to be true, which is the word of God itself. Amen. It's like, let God be true and every man be a liar. Romans three and four is that some are even going to claim to be the Messiah. God's anointed. They are going to try to draw people away and they're going to come up with these weird new theologies and, and these theologies are going to lead people away from Christ and, and their new religions and all these other things. Then they're going to try to appropriate the deity and the influence of Christ. And, and in fact, that is happening in the world today. That was happening back in Jesus' day, but it's, it is alive and well in the church in America today where people are drawing people unto themselves as opposed to God. There is a pastor, I, I, I use the term lightly because he calls himself the Messiah. And his congregation refers to him as the Messiah. And it's nuts. It's like, that is a man. And, and it's just, it's, it is happening in America. And, and these people are being led astray. And Jesus is like, guys, stick to what you know. Don't be led astray. 
When you see people flocking to some new teaching, no, some new age theology and, or some sudden revelation that everybody's missed for 2,000 years and, and God just gave it to me yesterday in my sleep. He woke me up and, and tapped me on the forehead and said, by the way, here's what everybody missed. It's like, what? How do you sit there and say that God gave, what have we been doing for the last 2,000 years, right? It's like, my goodness, and people flock to that for some reason. Like some new translation of scripture comes out and everybody goes, wow, that's new, must be divine. And there's religions that are popping up because of it. It's like Jesus like, stop, right? Check to see why people are being drawn to that. Why, what's tickling their ears that is drawing them in and drawing them away from the truth? Is it God or is it Satan? Because those are your two options. It's like, man, that, that is it, black and white. And Jesus warns the disciples, and he warns us today, don't fall for it. Don't get caught up in all this, all this rubbish that's in the word or in the world. Stick to the word. If it's not in here, sorry, on my payment on my list, right? I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to entertain it because it's not in the word of God, not on my radar. Sorry. Jesus is like, stick to the word. Stick to what you know. Test everything to the scriptures, Right? And if things don't line up, you don't entertain them. Just don't entertain them. Because you start going down rabbit holes and who knows where you'll end up. Right? Don't be led astray. Verse 7 and 80 continues on. And he says, And when you hear the wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Uh, it must, this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. But these are the beginning of the birth pains. Jesus is like, it's going to get bad. It's going to get ugly. Be alert. Be on guard. Right? Be aware. Be ready. There's going to be rumors of wars. We got that going on today, right? Come on. There's going to be hostility between nations. We got that going on, right? Come on. There's going to be natural disasters all over the place. That's happening in our world and in our lives, right? This is something that we need to hold on to. He says, but hold on. These are just the beginnings of the birth pains, right? There, there are pains that are going to happen that are going to usher in the end of the age in just the same way that, that birth pains bring forth a child. It's, it's like it's a guarantee it's going to happen. And, but he says, but the end is not yet to come. It's going to be, there's going to be more that has to happen. More has to take place. And then Jesus issues another warning to his disciples and us today. In verse 9, he says, be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before the governors and the kings for my sake to bear witness before them. Be on your guard, right? Stand up. Be ready. For what? For anything. Right? Be, be on guard and not fall away. What does that mean? That means I'm in, I'm in fellowship with brothers and sisters that are holding me accountable. I'm, I'm in the word of God. I'm praying to my father. I'm praying to my savior, right? I, I am, I'm not being led astray by any new thing that comes along. My guard is up because why? I know that there is a day coming when this is going to be illegal in America. I mean, heck, the, the church in China is under, they hide, they, they gather together in secret. Why? Because they have to. It's coming on our doorstep, and it's like, be ready. 
Don't be ignorant to it. Get your head out of the sand. Stand firm in your faith. Be resolved that the word of God is absolute truth. If somebody goes, nah, there's flaws, it's like, that's on you to show me because I believe this is 100% true. There are no contradictions. There are no flaws in this word of God. And, and you go ahead and you can try and talk to me until you're blue in the face. But I am rock solid that this is the inspired word of God. This is, for, this is bread. This is food. This is water. This is life. This is sustenance for my life. We just got to be there. We got to be resolved in who Jesus Christ is in our life. Is he some, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But no, who is he? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he your redeemer? Is, is he your all in all that you're like, man, I, I am fully surrendered to you, Lord? Or is it like, yeah, but I like to still kind of do this. When Jesus is like, mm-mm, you're like, I'll get back to you, Jesus. I know you'll forgive me. Wink, wink. And we go do our sin. It's like, no, are we full on committed that, that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, that he is God in the flesh, like the word of God says, that he came down from heaven and he walked among us, lived a sinless life, showed us how to live, and now he has reconciled us to himself so that we can spend eternity in heaven with him. Anything taken away from that, it's like, I ain't interested. I don't want to hear it. And we got to be just rock solid on this. We got to be resolved that no matter what, even if it costs us everything, that we're willing to give it up. We won't compromise. When your day comes to stand for your faith, the question is, who's going to turn you into the authorities? Because the Bible says, someday's coming when you're going to get turned in. Right? Would we be found guilty by the world of being set apart for the Lord? Are we different enough from the world that they go, there's something about that person. I got to ask them if they're Christian or not, but, but there's just something off on that person. They're not out, uh, they're not out being crazy. They're not out being sinful. They're not, they're not cussing. They're not, you know, doing all the nasty stuff that people are doing. There's something about them. And if there's, if I got to turn someone in, it's that person, right? Who's going to turn you in? Are your coworkers? Are your classmates, right? Are your friends, are they going to be calling 1-800-Antichrist hotline to turn you in? Because the day's coming. Are you gladly, because of your faith, going to be marched off to jail, be marched off to the principal's office? Because you stood on the truth. You stood on the word of God. You stood on what you believed in your heart to be true. Are you going to waffle? Are you going to compromise? Are you going to cut a corner? Because here's the thing. If you can't do that now, you're not going to be able to do it when real pressure comes. If you're not willing to suffer for your faith, you're not going to be able to stand up when, when the next step comes after the birth pains, right? When the next hard stuff comes, you're not going to be able to stand. So Jesus says, be on guard, be ready, be alert, be mindful, be rock solid so that you will be able, what's, I mean, be ready so that when the pressure hits, what happens when pressure hits? Our character gets revealed, right? And it's one of those things. You need to be ready and on guard so that when the pressure comes, you bear witness as a, as a, as a natural response. You're not backpedaling trying to get out of, oh, I didn't mean to say that that way. No, it's like, absolutely, yep. Jesus is Lord. He is God. And I don't care what you say. Send me to jail. Send me to court. Send me wherever you want. But man, I'm, I'm ready to go because of my faith in God and my faith in Jesus Christ. Right? Are we there? Anybody heard lately about there's a church in Canada 
Pastor got arrested, spent 34 days in jail. Why? Because they were having church during COVID. He got arrested. 34 days in jail, comes out first weekend back. The, the law comes in, and he, he boots them out of church, says, you can't come in here without a warrant. Guess what happened? They put up fences around his parking lot and everything. They blocked the church off. There's now no access to the church. And it's like, hey, man, okay, bring it on. Because they're going to preach the gospel regardless. Who knows what they're doing this weekend? Pray for them, right? Verse 10, Jesus says, and the gospel must first be preached and proclaimed in all nations. Who's watching this church that's under persecution? The world is. It's on the news. It's all over the place. When Christians were beheaded by ISIS, who was watching? The world. It was on the news. It was everywhere. That woman that wouldn't sign a marriage certificate for, for a gay marriage because it violated her Christian beliefs, that, that the word of God says it's an immoral relationship, she went to jail, stood on her beliefs. Who was watching that? The world saw acts of faith. The world saw people that were so rock solid on this that in, in the time of pressure, when the heat was on, they just simply bore witness. Man, that is an awesome display of faith. I asked you before, who would, who, would we, uh, who would find us guilty? Would we be found guilty by the world of being set apart for Christ? Will the world see a Christian rise up when they come knocking on your door? Will they see a Christian plant their feet on the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Will the world see a Christian carted off to jail gladly for practicing their faith regardless of what the law of man says? What is the world going to see when the cuffs are on you? What is the world going to see when you're in the courtroom? What is the world going to see when you're on TV living out and bearing witness? Because as you, as the days draw near, Jesus says, this is to come. This is going to happen. They've already arrested pastors in America during COVID for holding church services. I mean, it's, it's here. We can't stick our heads in the sand anymore. We have to be ready. We have to be on guard. And I'll say this again. If you're not doing it now, if you're not standing firm now, brothers and sisters, don't let us lie to ourselves and think we'll do it when the time comes. Why do we practice? Why do you practice anything? So the instinct kicks in, right? So it's a natural response. We're not going to rise if the pressure's on us, if we haven't prepared our hearts, if we haven't prepared our minds, if we haven't actually walked in it a little bit, tested the waters a little bit, you know, lived out our faith a little bit. Come on. We will not stand firm when the enemy starts blowing against us. We will get blown over. So Jesus is saying, guys, gals, be on guard. Verse 11 says, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand of what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. He's like, when you're standing before this kangaroo court that's hemming you up just because you're a Christian and you've lived out your faith, when you're standing before them and, and, and those that hate the gospel, be on guard, be of sound mind, trust in the Lord in that moment, and he will give you the words that you need to speak in the moment. So many times we don't engage in ministry. We don't engage in evangelism because we, well, I might forget my script. But what if they ask this question? 
But what if they come at me this way? And I, uh, no, hey, how about we pray up and we say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to move in your, I'm going to move. You need to give me the words to speak. And then we just listen and trust that he's going to give us the words to speak. Jesus said in that moment, the Holy Spirit will be your mouthpiece. He will give you the words to speak. You don't need a cunning speech. You don't need to memorize a bunch of like legal precedences and defense cases. Well, your honor, blah, 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 you know, in that case. No, hey, don't worry about it. How about you just sit there and say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Whatever you got to say, I got an answer for. Are we prepared to do that? We, all we need to do is listen to the Holy Spirit and then say what the Holy Spirit tells us to say. Don't get so afraid of being in that situation. Jesus is like, be on guard, be ready. The day's coming when you're going to have to. You're going to have to stand up to a bully in school. You're going to have to stand up to somebody that's doing something immoral. You're going to have to stand up for a stranger on the street, right? You're going to have to stand up for all these things. Why are we standing up if it's not because of our love for the Lord and for others? If we're not truly taking his word to heart and making it a part of our life. Tell you what, let our prayer now be the prayer that the early Acts church prayed over themselves when they started receiving persecution for their faith. They gathered together and they prayed this prayer for themselves right after Peter and John got arrested for healing someone and then preaching the good news. It's like they got arrested for healing someone and preaching the good news. How many of us would be like, well, I guess I'm not healing anybody else. You know, that's enough of that, tomfoolery. No. They got together. They got excited. They praised the Lord. And in Acts 4, 29 through 31, this was their prayer. And this is beautiful. It says, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your, man, it's all God. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That was their prayer is that they would be able to stand and speak the word with all boldness. In the verse 31, it says, when they prayed that with such conviction, I mean, good night, I would have loved to have been there. We need to be there. Come on. In verse 31, it says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with great boldness. Oh, my goodness. To be bold for Jesus. Amen. Good night. To pray such a corporate prayer where we're all in one accord and in unity saying, bring it. And, and you know, the walls start shaking, the ground starts shaking, and, and you're just so, like, on fire and in it with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, everybody's got the Holy Spirit on them. And um, what a scene. What a thing to be a part of. It's like, man, yeah, that's the prayer I want, Lord. Sign me up for that and give me the courage. Give me the boldness to go out and live this thing out. Amen. Come on, man, to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us with courage, fill us with boldness and a a desire to get out and minister to the lost. Why do we do that? Hey, anybody in here want to go to hell? Nobody. Okay. Thought so. Why are we okay with other people going to hell? It's on us to do the great commission. It's on God to save people. It's on the Holy Spirit to draw people to themselves. But God has set it up to where we as believers go out and we share the good news and we heal people. It records that these are the signs of those that will follow him, right? Are we doing that? Is that in our life? Is there evidence in our world 
about this in, in our world as a church and as a family. It's like, man, what a beautiful thing to be a part of. And, and to say, yeah, go ahead, look at their threats. I'm not worried about what the world's got to say. I, you know, when the day comes, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be scared. But it's like, but I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to walk in trust. I'm going to be like, I'm not signing up for it, but I'm signed up for it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, to be ready to go, to be on guard, and to be ready to take whatever the world dishes out, because Jesus says the day is coming. Look upon the threats. Man, and then from a position of surrender to Jesus, just allow the Holy Spirit to talk through us. What, a, what an awesome thing to do. Have you ever been in a conversation where you spoke to somebody and, and it just impacted them? And you're like, I don't even know what I said. It's like, Man, that's where the Spirit of God is working in and through you in that moment. That, that's not you coming up with some clever idea or some, some cliche or whatever. There's, there's no cookie cutter answer to any of this. But it's like, man, to be used by God, what a beautiful thing that would be. Amen? That God would allow us to speak his word with boldness and then kick us and say, go do it. Why ask if you're not going to do it? Amen? I got quiet. Come on. What are we praying? What are we living for, right? It's like, man, Lord, give me this. I want to honor you. And it's all for his glory, right? It's like, I want to honor you. I, I don't want souls to go to hell as much as you don't want souls to go to hell. And you value everybody more than I ever could. And so I'm going I'm to give it to you, God. I'm going to live for you, God. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do, God. Right? Is this thing real to us? Verse 12 and 13. It says this, Brother will deliver brother unto death, and you will be hated uh, by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Why is a personal relationship with Jesus so absolutely important? Because of that right there. That's part of it. Others are going to sell you out. People are going to turn you in. They're going to turn their back on you. They're going to hate you. And some of those people are going to be close relations. Fathers against sons, as it said, right? And and your friends and other people are going to turn you in for your faith. And Jesus says, the one who endures to the end, the one that walks with me, the one that trusts in me, the one that lives with me, the one who stands for me, that's the one who in the end is going to be saved. See, it's all about you and Jesus. I can't get Cregan to heaven. I can't get Gracie to heaven. My faith doesn't do anything for them. My faith is for me. I can't get Tara to heaven. They can't get me to heaven. Same for any of us. We are on our own with us and God. That is why it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's not about what everybody else is doing. It's about what I'm doing to be right with God. It's all about you and Jesus. And when you stick with him to the very end, he says, man, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. Hey, you might go, you're going to go through it. You're going to go through it. But if you endure to the end, if you've been on guard, if you've been ready, I got you. You'll be saved. What's Jesus telling us? I'm going to close with this and we'll try to recap these five points. He says, first, don't be led astray. Don't be led astray with slick words, fancy music, popularity, charisma, or any of that other stuff. False doctrines, false teachings, false Christ. Don't be led astray. Know what is true. And the way that you know it's true is you get in this thing. Go, let's, let's get some dust off of that. 
Let's peel these things open, right? And start looking and seeing what the Word of God has to say in our life. If you got it on your phone, if you got it on tablet, wherever you got it, get into it. Amen? Because what's in here is absolute truth. And as soon as you know this, anything that comes along, you're like, ah, that's a lie. Eh, that's not true. How does Satan trick Eve? Half truth. How did he try and trick Jesus? Half truth. Satan went to Jesus with scripture, guys, and he only spoke part of it. And in each one of those temptations where he's like, hey, yeah, but Jesus came out with, he finished the rest of the verse, right? And so it's one of these things, if we don't know what's true, half-truths are going to sound true, and we're going to get led astray. Number two, don't be alarmed. It shouldn't be surprising that as Christians, we're going to be hated for our faith in Christ, especially in the world that we see around us today. We are going to be hated when we're vocal for the Lord. You good with that? The answer needs to be yes. Amen? The world is going to fall apart around us, or at least it's going to appear to. We see that even in our government. We see that in, in the laws that are being passed. It's like, what? It's like left is right and right is wrong. This is cuckoo. Don't be alarmed. It's coming. And don't get caught up into that. Number three, the third reason is be on guard. He's like, man, there's going to be a time in your life when they're going to come for you and they're going to hem you up. You need to be ready to go. That's all there is to it. It can happen. You can get fired from work. Are you ready for it? You can get kicked out of school. Are you ready for it? I could go to jail for preaching that homosexuality is a sin. I'm ready for it. I don't want it, but that's what it is, right? Be on guard. Be ready. Fourth is bear witness before him. It's like, man, if we're not ready now, what are you going to do? When it hits the fan, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand on your word? Are you going to bear witness because that's what's inside of you? Are you going to be a bear witness because that's what you've been talking the talk and you've been walking the walk, right? So you bear witness. It's natural. It's like, this is who I am. I'm not one person at work or one person at school and another person on Sunday morning. No, this is who I am and what I believe, and this is all in all. There's, there's nothing else in me except for this truth. So now when you get in those positions, you're going to bear witness to that. What are you bearing witness to? Share your faith until the end. The fifth is that the one who endures to the end is going to be saved. What a beautiful promise from our Lord and Savior that it's going to get ugly. It's going to get hard. People you thought were with you are going to turn against you. You're going to get turned in. You may go to jail. You may be beaten for your faith. You may, it's coming. And the one who endures to the end, he promises to save. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's be sure to look to Jesus. Amen. Let's be sure to rely on Jesus, hold true to Jesus, hold close to Jesus, trust in him with everything in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Father God, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for the warning. We thank you for the truth of your word. Father, I just pray that we would take this to heart. So many people think that you're just a a gentle kumbaya Jesus, and, and you're loving but, but some of your truths are hard. So, Father, we receive all of who you are, Jesus. We come before you and we just ask you to, to make this word solid in our hearts and in our spirits, that we would be on guard and we would be alert and we would be prepared for what's coming. Help us to train for that day and just pray that it never shows up in our lifetime. Father, there may be people in here that 
that are backslidden, that, that haven't been living this way for you, that haven't been preparing their hearts and their minds for you. And Lord, in this moment, we just, if there's anybody that, that's feeling that they need to rededicate themselves, re, repurpose their life for Jesus, if they would raise their hand in this moment so that we could pray collectively as a body. Lord, if there's anybody in here who's never made you the Lord of their life but, but understands what you're offering, salvation, understand that life isn't always going to be easy, but, but you promised to save us and that they would like to make the, you the Lord and Savior of their life. If they would raise their hand in this moment, we'd love to pray with them, add them to this family of believers. Amen. Father God, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that's found in it. We thank you that it is our solid rock. Lord, we pray for those that aren't here. Father, be with them in this moment. I know there's, there's a number of people that are healing from, from illness, from surgeries. Father, just heal them and mend them and make them well, make them whole, and restore them. You are the healer. We just read about it. You do signs and wonders. We just read about it. Father, for those that are traveling, give them traveling mercies. Use them where they're at. Bring them home to us safely so that we can hear about how you've used them on their trip, how you use them to grow the kingdom, and not for selfish gain, but just that you might be glorified and magnified. Father, for those that are working, let them work as unto the Lord. Let them work hard as unto the Lord. Father, let them be bearing witness in their workplaces. And as they go to school tomorrow, that they would bear witness in schools tomorrow. Father God, let us take this for real. Let's take this to heart. Let's, let's make this about us and you. Let us make it true about ourselves that we are sold out, fully committed Christians who no matter what the cost, will live for you and die for you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all the many blessings. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for all the churches that are gathering and preaching your good news and the message of hope. Father, just fill so many hearts today. Let your word and let your truth ring true in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.